Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up and welcome to Believe in High School Basketball. I'm your host, Bryce Ronquillo. Episode 3, right here, right now. So thankful, so grateful to be on air today. Thank you for joining me. If you are new to the show, welcome. Believe in High School Basketball. We are proud to be a part of the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals and the number one network in Los Angeles for sports podcasts. Let's get it. Wednesday, November 18th, 1.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's NBA Draft Day, so we got some exciting stuff. Uh, coming up in the show later today, we'll be sure to cover that, so stick around later on in the show. Specifically, I'll be talking about guys I personally got to see and even play against. You don't want to miss that. But let's let's start off with the road to 50. We also got Ty Ty Washington, who I talked about last week. He made his commitment. We're going to talk about him. We've got the Elite 100 presented by West Coast Elite coming up this weekend they got a number of events going on in Phoenix. Going to be some really high-profile players. We'll talk about that. And uh, also some very, very sad and unfortunate news in the high school basketball world. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little later today as well. Let's start off with the road to 50. I'm going to keep counting down every show until we reach 50 states of teams playing high school basketball. So I'm going to keep counting down. This is the road to 50. Last week, Texas kicked things off on November 13th. There were some great games in their startup to the season. Duncanville versus Louisville was one of, of note. Duncanville is ranked 30th in Max Prep's national rankings, and they beat Louisville. Louisville has five-star Keontae George, very dynamic guard. Uh, they, they beat them 77-70. to 70. It was a very exciting game. You can watch the highlights on Ball is Life. Uh, Duncanville is really dominating in the high school sports scene in Texas. They're number one in, in the state in football and basketball. So Duncanville really getting it done. Classic program out there in Texas. We also got Louisiana, South Carolina. They started up Monday. Uh, U- Utah was supposed to start on the 17th, but I didn't see any games scheduled that day. I looked on Max Preps, and they, they had games starting on the 21st, so I was a little confused uh, because originally it was reported that they were going to start on the 17th, but I know we've had some recent COVID spikes, uh, specifically in Utah and around the country, but Utah was one of them. Maybe that's why they pushed some games back. I don't really know. So right now, no no games in Utah. High school basketball may be on hold in the area. We also got Oklahoma. They start on the 19th. And uh, I got I got to correct something. Last week I said Georgia was playing earlier than they actually did. But right now they're set to start on the 20th. Also with the state of Indiana, the Hoosier State. That's got to be exciting, everyone in Indiana getting ready to watch some high school basketball. As many of us know, high school basketball, like high school football is in Texas, high school basketball is in Indiana. They got stadiums, I believe it was 13 stadiums, high school stadiums in the state of Indiana that seat over 14,000 people. That's insane. And I believe there's only 15 uh, basketball arenas meant for high school in the whole country that seat that many people. And the only other ones in Texas. So crazy. I'm sure Indiana's very excited to get started on the 20th a couple days from now. Also some recap from last week. We had the ESPN Geico High School Spotlight. They've had games going on. And uh, last week we had C- CBC play, play Arenado. Arenado being the Coronado High School 
affiliate team and CBC being Sierra Canyon here in Chatsworth uh, in SoCal, their affiliate team. And I said the nation was going to see Jaden Hardy. Excuse me, I think I've been calling him Jalen. I apologize for that. They got to see Jaden Hardy on display. 39 points and the win. And Jaden was phenomenal. Absolutely just another level. You can see just how he thinks of the game and plays the game on a different level than a high schooler. There were several moments in the game where Sierra Canyon should have took over. They should have put the game away. And Jaden, along with Frankie Collins and a couple other of the role guys on on Coronado or excuse me, Arenado's squad, they they really just made some huge plays. But specifically, Jaden was hitting step back threes, three after three after three, just on another level. Not a five star player, six star player. I, I heard uh, Rashad Phillips coin him as the six star guy. Also, kind of said that he reminds him of Ray Allen. And I, I got to say, that's right on par with how he looked out there. Um, he, he was absolutely phenomenal. So, Jaden Hardy, excellent job versus CBC. We also had the Chet Imani Bates matchup that was much awaited with Team Sizzle playing Yipsy Prep. I had talked about that game, how it was going to be big. It was going to be really telling to see how Yipsy would do and kind of their nation debut on national TV. This is their new program. Max Preps had him ranked super high. Ball is Life Fab 50. Ronnie Flores' rankings, not even anywhere to be seen in the rankings. So I was really interested to see how that game would go. It was a close game. And I got to say, Chet was... Chet Holmgren for Team Sizzle, number one player in the senior class. Imani Bates, number one player in the junior class. Both had double-doubles. Really cool to see two players who were so unique in their own way just go at it. And people were calling Chet uh, like a baby Porzingis. And I can see that. I can see how the tall guy shoots threes, athletic, skinny. But... If I got to be real, he reminds me more of Ralph Sampson. And and some of you youngsters who might be listening to this, go check out Ralph Sampson highlights and his Virginia highlights specifically. Ralph was a dominant force in a thin guy's frame who was just out-rebound, he would dunk on you. He was athletic the way he ran the floor. Now, Different eras, Ralph Sampson wasn't bringing the ball up like Chet Holmgren does. He wasn't shooting threes out of a pick and roll like Chet does. But I'm talking body type. I'm talking unique player. Big, long, lanky. Plays hard, is tough. And can score in a dynamic fashion. That's why he reminds me of Ralph Sampson and Ralph Sampson could have had a great NBA career he won a championship with the Houston Rockets they had the Twin Towers him and Akeem Olajuwon Uh, but injuries plagued Ralph in the NBA that's why some guys may not know him as well but he was a force to be reckoned with his college career so I don't know where Chet stands as far as his projection for an NBA player, but as a high school player and as a college player, he is a unique unicorn-like guy. Uh, Donovan Smith also showed some promise for Team Sizzle, who had some questions at guard without Jalen Suggs this year. Donovan Smith, their little guard, little guy, uh, was hitting threes left and right, really had a big impact on the game for Team Sizzle. Imani Bates and, and Yipsy Prep, they're good. They're able to hang. They're definitely in the game. Definitely some AAU vibes. Definitely moments where it was a lot of just kind of running up and down, chucking up shots. Nothing wrong with that. Didn't have the feel of a high school game. 
though. And it, it'll take Gypsy some time to kind of get to get gather together, really kind of get an identity. But Imani's special. He has a lot of KD in him. And uh, I think he, he's going to go a long way for sure. Last week I announced I was jumping on the Ty Ty Washington bandwagon. And this bandwagon is going to Omaha, Nebraska, because he announced Sunday he was committing to Creighton and coach Greg McDermott. I, I think this is a really great spot for him as Creighton. They, they've turned out some pretty good guards in the next level. Marcus Foster is playing in Europe. I believe he was class of 2017 or 18. Tyshawn Alexander is in this year's draft. He led the Big East in scoring last year. Uh, Three-point percentage, I believe he was up there in the Big East as well. So he's picked a school with a proven track record to develop guards and develop specifically ball-handling guards, guys who are dynamic, guys who don't just have one... Um, they're not one-trick ponies, and that's Ty Ty. He's not a one-trick pony. He's a dynamic guard. He's creative. He can create off the dribble. He could think for himself. He could make the right passes. And I, I think Creighton's a very good spot, a Big East school. It, they're a tough, hard-nosed program. It, it, it's, it's going to be really cool to see him there in that environment and see him develop under Coach McDermott, so I got to give a shout out to my guy, Ty Ty Washington. I'm still going to try and get him on a show. I got to reach out to him, see if he'd be down. So, yesterday, I opened Twitter, and just so you guys know, I, I, I do try my hardest to limit how much I'm on Twitter. Uh, there, there was even a time, very recently, uh, I didn't go on social media at all, just a lot of toxic toxicity, a lot of stuff where it, it was just, I needed to get away. I needed a cleanse. Some of you guys need to do the same thing too. Cleanse. Anyways, I, I only go on now to keep you guys updated on what's going on with the show and also to stay informed on what's going on in the world of hoops. For high school basketball, most of the coverage is done on Twitter, so I have to be on. Unfortunately, we are not always met with good news when we go on Twitter. And yesterday, I was heartbroken to find out about the tragic passing of Carl Lewis. He was class of 2019. And um, man, this, this one really, really hurt, you know, especially when you see someone play a lot. Sophomore year, going through his senior year. It, it hurt to see someone in your community in this basketball high school family, you know, be gone. And I, I got to see Carl play a lot. Like I said, during his AAU and high school days, he started at Compton High, transferred to Linwood, played under coach Jason Crow, and also for Paul Pierce's The Truthy YBL, where Crow was also the head coach. Now, at the time, I was working with West Coast Elite, and we had a really good relationship with Coach Crow and The Truth. They would frequently come to our tournaments. They would send kids to our camp. So I, I was around the, that those guys a lot. There's a lot of guys from The Truth, really awesome dudes, and I was thankful for the, those, those friendships and relationships I got to build there. And Carl... Uh, was one of the up-and-coming guys in their program. He was a guy that, like you said, he transferred to Linwood to play with for Coach Crow. And he, he, he was a kid who was just, didn't look like a kid, first of all. At a very young age, dominating force, had a man's body at the age 14, 15, 16. You know, just dominating force. Shaq-like at that age. And... He would just impose his will on others on the court. And that's that that was him as a player, just a dominant force, you know, was was highly recruited and you know got got a good amount of D one interest, I believe, at the end of his career. Left Linwood, went to Hillcrest Prep, where, you know, a lot of bigs have gone to develop. 
DeAndre Ayton went there. They, they, they frequently turn out good bigs at Hillcrest. Now, off the court, I, I didn't speak to him all that much. He, he often... He often had a bad rap for attitude or behavioral issues. Just just talk amongst, you know, others. That, that was kind of like the stigma on him. But I, I do remember a conversation I had with uh, Jarena Madayag. Uh, if you don't know Jarena, Jarena's awesome scout in the business. Really, really just, just awesome person. And when we were talking about Carl and, and you know, we were brought up like, like, oh man, like, is he, is a coach going to take a chance on him? Could they trust his, you know, his attitude? His attitude going to improve? And she said every time she talked to Carl, just an absolute sweetheart. And that kind of just changed something. Like, yo, it, we're judging these kids based on maybe some bad games, maybe some emotions that, that he's, you know, turning out on the court. And we don't really know him. We don't really know what he's gone through. We don't really know what's happened in his life, what's happened that day. I remember that really impacting me that day. All I heard from people that were close to him was that he was just a super nice dude. And it is, like I said, just so sad to hear of his passing today. Uh, he was committed to, to New Mexico State. But he didn't end up going the college route. He instead played in Canada for the Sudbury Five in this past season. So he played pro ball in Canada this year and played in 18 games. Started to average seven minutes a game, three points a game, two rebounds. So really just a, a development role on, on that team and Man, this was a kid with a very bright future in basketball. And it, it's so sad to see and hear of this news. Prayers to his family and loved ones. Prayers to the truth. The truth family, Coach Crow, all the great people over there. As I know, they're hurting as well. Now, to follow that up, um, not really much you... Not really a great transition to any other segments, but there's other things to talk about today. I just wanted to pay my respects to Carl as a kid. I, I got to see play a lot, and um, it was just very unfortunate to hear the news today, or yesterday, I should say. But uh, there's some upcoming camps in in the high school basketball world, some high-profile camps, specifically with West Coast Elite, my former employer, they have their Elite 100 this weekend, and the Elite 100 is their main event of the year to kind of cap things off. Obviously, it's a, a different, very different year, and normally this camp would have been live viewing period, uh, the last viewing period, which would have been July. So, uh, some different, a, a different setup this year. They're going to be in Phoenix at the uh, the PH uh, H facility. It, it's going to be great. They're going to have some really high profile guys there. They they got a really nice list of guys that are coming through. In the 2021 class, they're going to have Chet Holmgren, number one player in the country, Jaden Hardy, my number one player in the country. <laughs> uh, they also got Nathan Biddle, number eight, prolific prep, Oregon commit. Marcellus Robertson, Bay Area, Bishop O'Dowd, uh, KJ Simpson, Arizona commit, going to Sham goes to Chaminade High School, David Elliott goes to Birmingham here in SoCal, also a top one hundred guy, LMU commit, and Harrison Hornery, USC commit, three star guy. So they got they got a nice little turnout here of guys that are expected. It, it's not a Pango's All-American where it's nothing but five four-star guys and your occasional three-star who, who's trying to prove his or rise his stock up. It's it's a much different, much different camp where it's a mixture of 
really high profile guys, D1 for sure. And then a lot of borderline guys, a lot of guys who are on that D1, D2 border or even D2, D3 border. And it's a really good mix. And it's a really good camp because of that, because you got guys who are established trying to show these coaches who are recruiting them, yeah, and the real deal. And then you have guys who are in front of coaches who aren't recruiting them and they want to make a make some noise. They want to draw some attention. So they're very competitive games. Uh, I've coached in this, this event. I've worked this event many times. Um, and it's always good basketball. They're going to have, like, th- those are the top, top tier guys. But there's also some going to be some guys who no one really talked about or really knew all that well before who are really going to make a name for themselves in this camp and are really going to get some attention. Maybe they, they just they just got a D1 offer, and then they go to a camp like this. More offers will start to pour in. More interest will start to pour in. And the alumni list of this camp is very good. NBA guys have come here, future stars, future college stars. So they also that's going to be from the 20th through the 22nd. Go to westcoastelitebasketball.com. You can check their the live live stream link. I believe they have a live stream link uh, to watch some games. I'm certainly going to be tuning in and watching some games and seeing how that's going. But yeah, the Elite 100, make sure y'all check that out. All right, NBA draft is today. 4.30 Pacific Standard, 7.30 Eastern Time. By the time you guys have listened to this podcast, NBA draft will be pretty much all but done. Probably be in the second round. But I want to talk about some guys who are going to get their names called today and probably get their names called pretty early now i'm not going to front not going to cap here i am not an nba draft analyst i have not put in the countless hours that these guys have put in to tell you who's going to be a star who isn't and even then you go on twitter and there's like what, like 15 guys who are going in the first five picks? <laughs> At least that's what it seems like. There, there's new names every day, and, and it just keeps fluctuating. So it, it's it's funny to see. No one really knows until the names are called. You can trust your instincts here. But anyways, I, I'm not one of those guys, nor do I want to be. What I'm going to do is talk about guys that I've seen in person on multiple occasions through their high school careers and talk about their high school careers and talk about why I think their success at the high school level could then translate to what we'll see in the pros. Now, the two guys I'm going to focus on here are Lamelo Ball and Onyeka Okongwu. These two guys played together, were teammates. They came in at Chino Hills at the exact same time. Both came in young, 13, 14 years old, and had a ton of success. I'm only going to talk on these two guys for right now because, one, I'm a West Coast guy. They're guys I've seen in person. West Coast, best coast, right? And there are some West Coast talent in this draft. Sorry if you're on the East Coast. Maybe you'll get some good insight here. So, LaMelo Ball and Onyeka and Kongwu were the glue, or part of the glue, I should say, to the 2016 National Champs Chino Hills 35-0 and team. So, some backstory on me knowing these guys. I don't know that neither of them personally, but... I have played against LaMelo. Now, I'm not, you know, 20 years old. I'm I'm older than him, you know, by a good amount. But the reason I played against him is because 
he played up with his brothers in AAU. So when I was 13 years old, I played on a pretty a, a local AAU team that was pretty successful in our in in the local tournaments. We we'd even go out and play in other other tournaments in 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 other areas. So we'd venture out from Orange County, play in Rancho or the IE. We also play in LA, Compton area. So we we would go around play various teams, San Diego, and we were very we were pretty successful for you know a younger team, twelve U, thirteen U. One of the teams we frequently run into in the championship game of these tournaments was none other than Big Ballers, coached by none other than LeVar Ball, and featured none other than Lonzo, LiAngelo, and LaMelo Ball. So I got to play against these guys when I was 13 years old. Now, I'm older than them. So... When I was a senior in high school, Lonzo was a sophomore. So if I was 13 at the time, Lonzo was probably like 10, 10 or 11. And he was playing up at 13. And now Lonzo was probably one of the best 10-year-olds I have ever seen in my life. I did not know he was that young. He was dominant as a youngster, a dominant player. He gave us problems. Leangelo was probably like, 10, 9, 10 years old, if Lonzo was about 10. Leangelo was probably 9. Leangelo was this little heavier set kid who would just rain threes, rain threes from downtown. He had a funny shot, but man, you could not leave him open. And then then you had LaMelo, who... Is is probably, if those guys are that age, he was probably about six or seven, playing 13-year-olds at six years old. What dad in the right mind would put their six-year-old child out there with teenagers? Shoot, what what, what dad would put their 10-year-old out there with teenagers? LeVar did. And they were successful. And LaMelo played. And he would do well. Now, you could overwhelm him because he was so little and young. But he knew how to set himself up in the right spot. So, if you kind of want to get a taste of what I'm talking about, go go to YouTube and watch Big Ballers versus Atlanta, South, Atlanta Celtics. And watch LaMelo... As a 11, 12-year-old, have a impact game versus a circuit Atlanta Celtics team, who at the time was one of the best AAU teams in the country. And big ballers with a bunch of local Chino Hills guys take down a circuit team. Crazy. Let's talk about playing up for a bit. So... At the time, and it, it, it kind of still is, I'm seeing a bit of a shift, but at the time, it was very popular to reclass your kid down a grade so that he could play against competition that was a bit younger than him and he could develop and get some confidence, play better, get another year. Now, I'm no way knocking that system. I, I was a holdback. I saw the benefits. I've seen plenty of kids who were just, oh, you're not ready for high school. You're not ready for eighth grade yet. We're going to keep you back another year, let you mature. So I, I believe it's a system that, that works, but it's a system that gets abused frequently. We don't take into consideration the benefits of playing up. Think about if you're a, a younger sibling in your family, say you have an older brother or older sister, and it's your sports family. When you were a kid, you always wanted to play with your older siblings. Or for me, because I'm the oldest, I always wanted to play with my older cousin. And when I would go play football out in the in the park, or play tag, or basketball, you, you get your butt kicked. 
dodgeball. You get your butt kicked. But what does that do? That gets you better. You learn. You don't give up. You con- you continue to try and try and try again. You continue to fail. It, it could be demoralizing. But when you go back and play kids your age, man, you're the best at dodgeball. Man, you're the best at football, tag, whatever it was. That was the case with LaMelo and the rest of the Ball brothers. They played up their whole career. And LaMelo benefited from the most because he was the youngest. And LaVar said, I don't care if you're 11 years old, you're playing 17U. No one else is going to play you 17U, but I will. And he learned. He got better. And then so when he went and played against kids his age, he was the best one. It's the same concept. So think about that. If you're considering holding back your kid, or if you're if you're considering maybe your kid's not mature enough, he's eighth grade going ninth grade, he, he needs to play back. If he gets held back, which again, I, I don't have a problem with, he should be going and playing pickup at parks with guys older than him. He should be going getting stronger. He should go to the the, the AAU team high school workouts and get his butt kicked. Because beating up against kids he's now a year older than, or she's a year older than, is not going to make him better. And we see that the evidence is right here. With LaMelo, yeah, he's immensely talented and comes from a pedigree. Is All his brothers are, are immensely talented. But he benefited from the most because he played up multiple years ahead. So going back to the, the Chino Hills teams he played on once he got to high school. Also another disclaimer. I never lost to Chino Hills in high school. <laughs> I got to put that out there. It's something I like to brag about when they were dominating. But, okay, I played against Lonzo his his freshman year of high school. And we played we played him in a, a, a Pasadena tournament um, around Christmas time. And th- that's a really good tournament. And we played him in the championship game. And, and Lonzo didn't play that great of a game. They had a lot of other guys on that team that were really good. But Lonzo... Didn't do great, and I remember thinking, like, man, this guy, he's supposed to be highly ranked freshman, and he kind of sucked, and I remember our coach coming in, Coach Coach George Zidane came in and was like, that kid's going to be a future NBA lottery pick, and you guys shut him down today, and I was like, man, he sucks, but, man, boy, was I wrong. The following year, we played him in the championship game again. This time they had Leangelo, who was a freshman, and they had a, a, a better group of guys that it came back, and we played him in the championship game. They were supposed to beat us by, by 15, and we ended up beating him in, in the championship game. And Lonzo, because he is the pass-first player that he is, you still see that now, he like hardly took a shot until the fourth quarter. We just made it so that other guys had the ball and he wasn't getting easy buckets. But once he started like saying like, oh, okay, we're down. I got to, he got into desperation mode. Then he turned it on and it was like, okay, this guy's going to bring him back in the game. But clock ran out. We ended up winning the championship. So never lost to Chino Hills, but I did not face the three ball brothers when I was in high school, just two of them. And didn't lose, so I get to brag a little bit. But anyways, back back to this team. So the the 2016-2015 Chino Hills team came in into the year ranked pretty high. I believe they're top 10 in most rankings just because of how good Lonzo was and how well he had been playing. Leangelo had been playing. And you add in two freshmen, and a transfer. Eli Scott was the transfer, and the two freshmen, Onyeka Okongwu, 14 years old, 
and LaMelo Ball. Now, LaMelo looked like a little kid when he was at that age. But he was the missing piece. Big O was the missing piece. Eli Scott was the missing piece to a team that was on the verge of greatness, and we saw it on display that year in 2016-2015. Man, those, every gym was packed. It was a, an, an unobtainable ticket for the for the average fan and man those teams were special they played such a unorthodox style of basketball that it was nearly impossible it was impossible to beat them and that's where my argument kind of comes in is like yo they could be the best basketball team ever ever assembled just because of how unorthodox they played they made you uncomfortable they made you play in their style and also the role guys. Lonzo and LiAngelo were the stars for sure. But LaMelo, Big O, and Eli Scott were for sure the glue that held that team together. They were the missing pieces. And they, they only played those five guys. They played six. Cam Sheldon, who later transferred to Damien. He's at NAU now. He was on that team. He came in maybe like three or five minutes a game just to give rest to, to one of the guys. But other than that, they played the whole game. They were in shape. It was crazy. It was a crazy way to, to watch uh, basketball. Now, en- enough about that team. And as a whole, let's go back to the guys themselves that I'm focusing on. So, Big O. Onyeka Kongu, another uh, freshman who comes in with a lot of potential. But no one really thought lottery pick potential. He had an older brother who was my age or a year younger than me. I'm not sure. And another tragic story. He died from a, a, a skateboarding accident. Just fell off his skateboard, skateboarding, skateboarding home hit his head as he fell and 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 that was it he was gone tragic i remember hearing about that i was like what the heck crazy so big o comes in the little brother and filled in that center position and won a state championship his freshman year now like i said n- n- no one really quickly realized how great he was until you really watched. And you saw that he was the defensive anchor to Chino Hills is their their high-paced street ball type of game. It was like when you're playing pickup and the unbeatable team, they just have a guy who's just bigger, stronger, more aggressive. He gets every rebound, every putback dunk, makes the outlet passes. That was big O their freshman year guard the other team like if they played a team who had a dominating big he wouldn't go off he wouldn't dominate because big o as a freshman was a good enough defender to go up against guys that were taller than him and older than him so he he was the unsung hero of that year all eyes were on lonzo leangelo even Lamelo for you know, doing his his thing. But Big O was a huge, huge part of that 2016 championship game. So, or championship team, I should say. So they won state their freshman year. Sophomore year for both of them. They went 30-5. and five. They no longer have Lonzo there. Cam Shelton, who came off the bench, he ended up transferring... So, sophomore year, it's Big O's team. They have Eli Scott. Oh, no, wait. I believe he graduated. I could be wrong about that. So, Big O, LaMelo's team. They went 30-5, and which was really great, but did not win a championship. Lost to Modern Day in the semis of open division. That was Modern Day with... Bull Bull. First year they had Bull. And Spencer Friedman was a part of that team. And then they lost to Bishop Montgomery 
in the state the state semis and Bishop Montgomery ended up winning state that year but at, at the end of that year everything was kind of in turmoil Lavar was was complaining uh, about the coaching and long story short he, he decides to go his own route pulls out Lamelo and Leangelo and they go play in Lithuania. So that that was that whole big thing. And they played in Lithuania. Lamelo played there for a brief brief time. Then they left. They came formed their own league, played the, the JBA and played pro here in the States. And that that was that was kind of Lamelo's junior year in in a nutshell. And his senior year, he played at Spire Institute where they made it to the grind session championship and it was just really kind of just put on display LaMelo coming back to the states playing high school ball, not playing in in pro leagues anymore. There was a lot of controversy around that, but he came back and and showed really how good he was compared to other high school players and specifically the best high school players in the states because there was a lot of talk like oh he's playing against lithuanians how good is how good are they oh they're like freshman jv level and he's dominating oh he's got his own league with a bunch of guys who can't make it to g league or can't make it overseas so they're playing so there was a lot of questions surrounding Lamelo, and i think he kind of put that all to rest when playing for Spire. I'm going to go back to, to Big Owen a bit. I just kind of want to wrap up here. LaMelo's playing career. Because it was an interesting one. I think it, it, he had the most interesting high school career maybe of all time. He was the first, or excuse me, the youngest uh, American-born player to be a pro at 16. He... His sophomore year at Chino Hills, he had a 92-point game against Los Osos. 92 points. Think about that. Oh, but LaMelo, he he does a, he just stands at half court and takes shot. I could score. You can't. You can't score 92 points, even if you just cherry-pick the whole game like he did. Just saying that flat out right now. They, they had a close loss to Oak Hill where he really impressed and gave around 30, 35, 36 points. And a lot of people were like, oh, dang, like he looked really good against Oak Hill. Maybe he's the real deal. Played Zion and, and their, his AAU team played Zion's AAU team. They had a really fun matchup that was a, that LaMelo impressed and Zion, you know, he did his thing. That was all during his sophomore year. The, all, all the, after that, all the controversy with the Lithuania JBA ensued. But then when he got to Spire, he really got to put to rest all the doubters who said he wasn't going to be as good as his brothers or that he was bust. He's just hype. That wasn't the case at Spire. They made it to the grind session world championship finals lost to Bella Vista in a crazy game, controversial game, but LaMelo showed that he was dominant all throughout his high school career, all throughout. Now let's go back to Big O. Sophomore year ends, they lose to Bishop Montgomery. They can't get the, the CIF title, they lose to Modern Day. And then the Ball Brothers leave. And now you got another new coach. So what, the next year they, they go 14 and 15? Nope. The following year, after the Ball Brothers had left, all this controversy, all all this ruckus, uh Lavar's on, now he's on first take arguing with uh with Stephen A Smith all this media frenzy surrounding the ball brothers big o the following year with 
a new coach, a roster filled with guys who were either on the bench or JV or at a different school during 2016 when they won their state and CIF title and their national title. That year, they won both state and CIF Division I. No ball brothers, new team, transfer guys, guys that were on JV or guys who rode the bench the year before or two years prior. That set apart Big O as a winner. It set them apart. So so think about the parallels here. Big O, when when the the media circus leaves, he gets the the job done his junior year and Chino Hills is super successful. LaMelo Ball, his brothers in the NBA, the he was playing pro Lithuania, JBA, all this media circus, all this hype. But then he goes back and grinds plays high school basketball for Spire and wins at a very high level. One at a very high level is freshman, sophomore year. We see the parallels between these two guys. We see how both these guys started in the same spot. Two young freshmen who had a lot of potential, but no one really knew that much about. To now being considered, both of them, potential top Top 10 picks. Now, Big O, it was announced today, he's got a foot injury. Fracture in his foot will probably have to sit out the the beginning of his year. So that that might drop him a bit in drafts, but I, I don't think so much because he's just too good of a prospect to pass up on. But what separates these guys, like I said, I'm not the... I'm not the draft analyst. I'm not going to pull up all the, the statistics and, and, and their make long videos breaking down their game. I like doing that stuff. I like watching those. I like watching game film and breaking down their games. But I'm talking to you guys from my point of view, my perspective, what I saw. I saw these games. I saw these guys play. I saw them grow. What I saw was two winners who went through a lot of adversity who were doubted on who were put in a box he's just a ball brother he's just the youngest one oh he's immature they they had a reality tv show he's immature he's not going to handle criticism he can't handle coaching i saw them win i saw them turn teams around both of them both of them. And I think that's what sets both Onyeka Kongwu and LaMelo Ball apart from this draft class and why I think these guys are winners. And a team that they go to, now it's going to depend a lot on who drafts them. We know where you go, it matters. There are very few guys that, no matter where they go, are going to be successful in program changers. Not everyone is the LeBron James, or the Luka Doncic's, or the John Morant's. Is LaMelo that? I'm not sure. I don't know. I know that when he got to Spire, he won. Turned them around. I know that he had two successful years, freshman, sophomore year, he won. I know that Big O brings a winning culture. So I I think that's what these guys will bring. I think they're going to bring winning cultures to whatever NBA team drafts them. And if they're in the right position. So if LaMelo goes number one to the Timberwolves, I think that's going to be great. I think he's going to be around guys who are as hungry to win as he is. And Big O, I think wherever he lands, uh, I I think he could be, he can be a guy who has had 
the same kind of impact that Bam had a bio had for the Miami Heat. I think he's Bam. Same build, undersized big, but a workhorse, a skilled big. Diverse in the way he can play. So, that's my take on both of them. I really, really hope that this was beneficial. No, I shouldn't say that. So that's my take on them. These guys took very different paths, but had the same result. They both needed to prove they were winners as the guys on their team. And I think Big O ceiling is high. I think he could be a Bam out of bio type player. I think LaMelo Ball could be a superstar in this league. Needs to be the right situation, though. Needs to be the right culture. But I think he could be a star. That will do it for episode three. Thank you for tuning in to Believe in High School Basketball. If you like the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave a review as well. I'd love feedback, and I want to know what you guys think of the show. You can also get updates for what's next on my show by following me on social Bryce Broadcast. That's at Bryce Broadcast on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to follow. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.